congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ as a preacher of the gospel, I can never say, or as preachers of the gospel, we can never say too much about the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have communion or fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you will want to know as much as possible about the Lord Jesus Christ. You will want to hear as much as you can about this grand person who is called Jesus Christ. Now, we have a text in front of us that also speaks of Jesus Christ in a marvelous way, but it may have slipped by you as to what this text says of him. And so I, I hope to and endeavor to explain this text to you in such a way that we see again something great of this person, Jesus Christ. Because um, we, we don't have fellowship with merely a, a highly respected person. He is highly respected, but, but it's not merely that he is a highly respected person. We don't have fellowship with someone who is a great representative of the human race. We don't merely have fellowship with someone who is a great representative of God. No, but we may have fellowship with one who calls himself God. That is, I am. And that's the term that I want to um, bring home to you this afternoon hour. The term I am, because that is what comes to the forefront here in our text. It is an amazing realization, I trust, when we come to see who the Lord Jesus Christ is as he has revealed himself, not only during the three years of ministry on earth, but especially during the time that he found himself under great pressure and during his trials. And that is what we want to consider, and particularly also this hour as well. And this great realization of this amazing truth should then give us a measure of joy, will give us cause for great comfort and for rejoicing as well, because we will be able to say, I have fellowship with one who is called the I Am. And so let's explore what this means. And so we read our text then. Um, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And who says this? The I am. Even as he says in Mark 14, verse 62. Jesus said, I am. All right. Let us then consider Jesus Christ, the great I am on trial. In the first place, he declares himself to be the I am. Secondly, he is a powerful I am. And then thirdly, he is a fellowshipping I am. Now, congregation, for the second time since his arrest, Jesus Christ has made a profound statement about himself. And this profound statement is then, as I indicated already, the statement of I am. Now, it is the same statement, really, that God gave to Moses at one time as he would send Moses into Egypt in order to set the people of Israel free from bondage. Exodus 3, verse 13 and 14. Tell them that the I am has sent you to them. 
I am that I am. That's his name, Jehovah, the God of heaven and earth. And as he, Jesus, as he was about to be arrested, he also declared himself again to be the I am. You can read of this in John 18, verse 5, one of the passages that we have read together. And here in my text, that is John 14, verse 62, we have the same term again. And Jesus says that as he is on trial by the high priest and declares himself to be the great I am, he shows something that is tremendous, dear people. False witnesses have come already and they have made some wild statements at this particular trial. And so the high priests being somewhat troubled about it all because uh, the, the witnesses are not at one with each other. He asks, as it says in verse 61, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And the answer he gets from Jesus Christ is, I am. Now, you must know that this is actually the highest and the most majestic term and a description that Jesus Christ can claim for himself. I am that I am. Or, I am. Just like that. Now, this term implies that he is the ever-living, eternal, and self-sufficient God. He is the I am. This means that he needs nothing or that he, he, there is no one greater than he is. He does not need anything. He does not need anyone else to make him more complete. He is the great I am. And this is what, of course, God has also said to Moses about himself, as you can read in Exodus 3. And this is what Jesus Christ says of himself here in Mark 14 and also in John 18. Now, just stop to think of this for a moment as you reflect as to who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is the great I am. And he does not need or require your or my fellowship to make himself more complete. He is self-sufficient in himself. He is perfectly complete in himself as the great I am. And Jesus Christ would suffer no loss if you or I would not have fellowship with him. It would not make him any less complete. He is the great I am perfectly complete in himself. Nevertheless, he offers you and me the privilege of daily loving fellowship with him. Now, the question can be asked, well, what does this tell me then? Well, it tells me that the benefits of fellowship with him are meant for you and for me. He wants to benefit you through such fellowship with him because he knows, after all, that it will be good for you and for me. How so? Well, fellowship with Jesus Christ will encourage you, for instance, to stay close to him. It will work a maturing of your faith in you. It will enliven your conscience for stronger convictions against sin. It will stir you to greater measures of love and devotion to him, to Jesus Christ. It will, 
step by step, make you complete in Jesus Christ. Well then, what does it mean to have fellowship with him? Well, fellowship with Jesus Christ means to have, another word, communion with him. It means that you will want to stay close to him, that you want to keep your focus on him, that you want to speak with him and dialogue with him and listen to him and obey him. You would want to do so. Fellowship with Jesus Christ means to trust in him and to rely upon him. Fellowship with Jesus Christ means to be friends with him. After all, you know that when two persons uh, befriend each other, they are not shy to share their secrets with each other. They have complete trust in each other. Their friendship, you see, it has bonded. Fellowship means, therefore, bonded friendship and inseparable friendship. Well, this is then also the benefits that believers may have as they have fellowship with Jesus Christ. A believer in Jesus Christ may therefore confess to have fellowship with the great I am. Well, now, Jesus Christ offers you and me the privilege of such daily fellowship with him so that you as well and all who have fellowship with him may benefit you in some wonderful ways. He is the great I am. He is complete himself, and he wants you and me to be complete in him. Jesus Christ is therefore the great and the very generous and loving I am. Well, now, in second place, let us consider that he is also a very powerful I am. Just look at our text again and see what the Lord Jesus Christ says here about himself. I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Now, remember, when Jesus identifies himself just prior to his arrest as the I am, you can read of that again in John 18 and verse 5, Judas, with a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and and Pharisees, um, barged into Gethsemane with lanterns and with torches and with weapons. And when Jesus saw them coming towards him, he said to them, Whom are you seeking? Who are you looking for? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And then Jesus responded, I am. Am he. In the original, actually two words, ego emi. I am. I am. Well, the sound of these two words, I am, by which Jesus then identified himself, had a powerful effect upon this mob of men who were actually out to arrest him. It knocked them right off their feet and they fell, all fell backwards to the ground. Now, something similar happens here in our text, and we need to pay close attention to it. A powerful effect registers again at this trial as Jesus Christ sounds his self-identifying, I am. And this time, it does not push a mob of men off their feet, 
but it pushes the high priest over the edge, so to speak. Just read the verses 63 and 64 with me. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, What further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. So you see, congregation, this, this powerful I am drove the high priest and the Sanhedrin mad as they clamored over each other in order to condemn Jesus Christ. Against all the rules of Scripture, in fact, and all the laws of tradition as well, namely that a high priest may never tear his clothes, this high priest actually tore his clothes. As one commentator describes it, this was nothing but feigned indignation, artificial outrage, which reflected no genuine concern for the holiness of God's name whatsoever. By his powerful I am, Jesus Christ drove this, and I want to call it this kangaroo court, because this is what we can call it, this kangaroo court. Jesus drove this kangaroo court to condemn him and to condemn him fast and furiously. Do you see what the haters of God will do when they meet up with the truth and when they meet up with the power of God? It drives them mad. And there is no telling what they will do next when they are driven mad. We see this in the world today, don't we? And I don't have to comment on this in great detail. But you know that the world has a great hatred for the Bible, a great hatred for Jesus Christ, and also a great hatred for Christians. This is why there is such a great persecution of Christians in our world today. And dear people, it is coming closer and closer also in our land. This is why most, and I say most, of our politicians oppose Christianity. That most of our politicians will not tolerate the rules of the Bible to determine what is right or what is wrong. Thankfully, there are a few, and we need to pray for them. There are a few who still uphold the truth of the Bible. We need to pray and, and encourage them as well. But... The world, by and large, and most of our politicians, they hate the Bible, they hate the Word of God, they hate Christians, they hate the church. And this is why they, of course, esteem that abortion is, is, is not wrong, euthanasia is not wrong, the gay lifestyle is not wrong, and that is, of course, in the eyes of the world, the case. But now back to our text. In view of our fellowship with Jesus Christ... Do you see how he used this word, the sound of this powerful I am, to drive his trial by the high priest and the Sanhedrin towards his condemnation? He knew that in order to give you and me the privilege of fellowship with him, he would have to be in control. We heard something of that this morning as well. But he would have to be in control of his trial. He would have to push the buttons of his condemnation, so to speak. He would have to get himself nailed on the cross and make ultimate sacrifice of his body and of his blood. For what? 
for you and for me in order to pay for our sin. The I am sounded as utter blasphemy in the ears of the high priest and the Sanhedrin, and it drove them mad. But the I am of Jesus Christ, heard by us as believers in Jesus Christ, has the power to convict us, but also the power to convict us, convince us that Jesus Christ has done it all. He had himself arrested, you see. He had himself condemned. He gave himself to be sacrificed for the love of the likes of you and me. Precisely of that reason, he has declared himself to be the I am. And that's made his sacrifice so awesome for you and for me. Speaking of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us, we can read, for instance, from the Canons of Dort as follows. This death derives its infinite value and dignity from these considerations because the person who submitted to it was not only really man and perfectly holy, but also the only begotten Son of God. And here, here are some of the qualities of the I am are described for us of the same eternal and infinite essence with the Father and the Holy Spirit, which qualifications were necessary to constitute him a Savior for us. That's the Canons of Dort, uh, Book 2 and Article 4. Therefore, as you and I have heard something of Jesus Christ again today, let us be in awe for the I am power that belongs with him. It is the power that has brought you out of bondage of sin and has broken you of your desires for sin, I trust as well. It is the power that has made you to entrust yourself completely to the Lord Jesus Christ and to believe in Him. It is the power that consequently also leads you to live a life that is a life of confessing Him and of serving Him, and of following Him. It is not by your or my power, but it is by the power of the I Am, Jesus Christ. And this is a life, dear people, leading you to embrace everything that stands for the I Am, to embrace it in hope. This is the life, you see, that will lead you eventually to the promised land, to heaven, and to be with Christ. It is the I am power befriending you, encouraging you, strengthening you, feeding you, nourishing you as you go on from here. It is the I am power that will have you sitting at the marriage sup of the Lamb one day and keep you perfectly happy and perfectly complete. And so, dear people, young and old, have you experienced the I am power of Jesus Christ already. I urge you, seek for it. Pray for it. And when you have it, let it be of great encouragement to you as well. But now, there's more to it yet. Part of Jesus Christ being the I am also means that he has not changed. Think of it. Think of it also. If you are still in the bondage of sin, as he led Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. 
so he can lead you out of the bondage of your Egypt, that is, your sin. All you need to do is to call out to him, because he will hear you, as he heard the cries of the people of Israel in Egypt. He, that is, the I am, he has the power to arrange his condemnation. He also has the power to arrange your pardon. Again, consider therefore who he is. He is the great I am. He is the powerful I am. And you who find it, find life to be a struggle and find temptations hard to, to overcome, look to the Lord Jesus Christ. You who find that you are not much of a fruit-bearing Christian yet, what to do? Well, get your help from Jesus Christ and His powers. You who find yourself motivating or not being able to motivate yourself to, to witness for Christ, remember what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 3, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Why? Well, obvious, I trust, it's obvious to all of you, because He is the great I Am. He is the powerful I Am. And this He spoke while He was heading towards being crucified. I am, ego emi. But now lastly, and I trust that this last point is meant to give you understanding what fellowship with Jesus Christ is all about. When I want to speak to you about Jesus Christ is a fellowshipping I am. Let's read our text again. Mark 14 and verse 62. I am and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Now, these words were words of blasphemy in the ears of the high priest and the Sanhedrin. It drove them mad. And we have learned already, it drove them mad. And they were at the same time meant as words of warning to them as well, though they did not accept those warnings as such. Their anger towards Jesus Christ made them deaf to any and all of his warnings. For them, it was an awful picture that Jesus Christ painted with these words. Someday, they will see him sitting at the right hand of the power, which means that they will see him sitting and they will face him as their judge. But now there is something else as well. There's something encouraging and something comforting for any who believe in the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and have fellowship with Him. Jesus Christ will come again. He will come again. He will come again with an aura of power around Him. With an aura of power that draws and that attracts people to Him. As the I am, Jesus Christ has the power to attract his people to himself. And he has made this very clear, as it is written, for instance, in John 12, verse 32 and 33. And I, if I am lifted up from this earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. Why? Why would Jesus Christ, the great I am, want to draw his people to himself? 
because he loves communing with his people. You see, he, and we said something about that this morning already, but he has called himself the Son of Man, so that we human beings will find easy entrance towards him and can identify with him. He is the Son of Man. And if unbelievers should be alarmed at his coming as to who he is, believers should be able to rejoice in the prospect of him coming again. Because not only as the I am, but also as the I am the Son of Man. Why? Because we will then have perfect fellowship with him, you see. We will then have perfect communion with him, Jesus Christ. As the great I am, he will then be with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will then wipe all tears from, of loss and sadness and weakness and failings from our eyes. He will, as it were, come and will take those tears away from us. He will, we will then enjoy his company forever and share in all the riches of eternal life that he, the I am, provides. We will then be complete in him and enjoy perfect love with him. Now today, the gospel of the I am is declared to you again, dear people. And this is possible because he is a fellowshipping I am. He is a communing I am. He loves fellowshipping with us. He loves communing with us. He being the all-known, all-knowing I am, knows what we need. And therefore, he has this message declared for you and for me this hour. He wants to have fellowship with us, you see. He wants to walk, and he wants to talk with us. He wants to think of him. He wants us to think of him as a brother and as a friend. But more than just a brother and a friend. He wants to be an I am brother. And as an I am friend. He wants to have perfect fellowship with us. Enduring fellowship with us. Unending fellowship with us. That is who Jesus Christ is dear people. And therefore Jesus Christ calls believers his friends. John 15 verse 15. I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my Father. I have made known to you. You see, all the secrets of Jesus Christ will become ours with him. Now this is what I call true fellowship. True fellowship. Would you not want this as well, dear people? True fellowship with Jesus Christ the great I am. Fellowship with each other is a great blessing. It is. Particularly as we may experience in the congregation. And it is a sad day when such fellowship is broken. And let us therefore do our very best to maintain such fellowship that we have enjoyed for many years already. But we need, we need Jesus Christ for this, dear people, in order to maintain such fellowship. His I am power will do it if we maintain and if he maintains that fellowship with us. Now, does this not call for some humility on our part, but also much trust in Jesus Christ?
Jesus Christ, after all, He is the answer, isn't He? He is the solution to our needs in regard to fellowship. As Spurgeon once said it this way, union, that is fellowship with Jesus Christ, will make you truly happy. That's what Spurgeon said. It will make you truly happy. Let us therefore look to the Lord Jesus Christ and find our help with Him who is both the Son of Man and at the same time the great I Am. Let us be on the right side of Jesus Christ, not on the left side with Judas, and his, Judas Iscariot and the mob which came to arrest Jesus Christ. Let us be on the right side of Jesus Christ and let us be arrested then also by His saving I Am power and enjoy everlasting fellowship, dear people, and communion with Him because with Him we will be perfect. Well, may this then also be for every one of us who have heard this message and have learned to entrust themselves to Jesus Christ and believe in Him as the great I am. Amen.